You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next up on Destination Freedom. When I was in the hospital that I, that I never came out of for three or two and a half months. Yes. They, our, a doctor came in. He said, yeah, we, we tested you for for uh, COVID, but you don't have it. I'm sure you don't have it. It's something else. Don't worry about it. But he didn't and have any results. He was just telling you that. He, that's right. He didn't have any results. He was just going off his instincts. And uh, it wasn't maybe an hour or two later. This was well into the night. My wife had been in the room with me the whole time. And they come back and says, oh, another doctor comes in and says, you're positive. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. The other guy just said he was pretty sure I wasn't positive. They said, no, I don't know what he was talking about, but these results, you're positive. You know, that started down the rabbit hole. Oh, my God. Yeah, down the rabbit hole is right down there. Welcome to episode 11 of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days podcast. I'm producer-director Donnie Betts. Black Radio Days bring you a special podcast. I'm proud to share with you a series of interviews with healthcare providers, COVID-19 survivors, and social justice warriors. We will continue on our road to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Now up, we speak with Reverend Terrence Hughes, better known as Big T, a pastor who's been a force in his community for years. He's finally home after a long battle with COVID-19. Reverend Hughes was released from the Rocky Mountain Region VA Medical Center after spending nearly seven weeks on a ventilator. He then spent two weeks continuing his recovery and rehab. Join me for my conversation with this longtime activist. This is your host, Donnie Betts, and I am honored to be part of a conversation that I'm going to have with someone that I've admired for many years in the Denver community, especially in the social justice arena. He's been a fighter for many, many years, especially in the, around AIDS, um, racial discrimination, and police shootings, faith, you name it. Pastor Reverend Terrence Hughes, better known as Pastor Reverend Big T, has been part of it. But this March, this past March, he was in a fight for his life. He became, came down with COVID-19, and he fought that for two months in the VA hospital here in Aurora. And for the last three weeks, three to four weeks, he's been recovered, recovering first in rehab, and then the last week or so at his home in Montbello. So we're honored that he can join us today for a few minutes to talk about um, his battle with that disease and also what are his plans for the future. Because before he was stricken, he was a candidate, political candidate, to, uh, for state office. So we want to see if his plans are as changed, of course, but maybe in the near future he will resume his campaign for office in a later date. Pastor Hughes, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Donnie. How are you feeling? First question. You know, I'm, I'm coming along, man. I'm, I'm doing much better than what uh, the doctors had anticipated. It's really been, people have used the term miracle me a lot. Um, and so, it, and then the journey has no has not 
ceased to be miraculous uh, uh, for someone who was on a ventilator uh, twice mm. in, and tra- and traked up uh, in the last two months um, to be where I'm at and be at home right now. No one expected that to happen. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, no one that. Yes, go ahead. I was saying, yeah, no one expected that to happen. I was actually scheduled to be in rehab for much, much longer than this because when I first got there, I could not walk and I could not wipe. I could, I could, well. like, I could walk and I could wipe. <laughs> the two W's, right? That's right, the two W's. <laughs> well, I am so glad that you can do both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's good. I got to remember that. <laughs> Well, Big T, you know, like I said, I, I've known you for many years, and and when I read it, on, I read it on Facebook that you you uh, hospitalized, and it just broke my heart. And then I would keep up with, of course, with your great friend, brother Jeff, who you worked with for many years, and yes. um, also I know you did a wonderful, wonderful interview um, with his uh, Facebook Live program uh, as soon as you got out. So I'm so glad you were able to do that as well to let the community know that you're that you are here and back and ready to take action once you recover. What, yes. what, tell me, how did you first find out? I mean, what symptoms were you showing? Were you, did you ever get tested? Those couple questions I had. No, uh, the symptoms I, you know, it's funny, you know your body, right? You know your own body. And, well, I, let's put it like this, I, I know my body and I've always been in tune with it from back when I was bodybuilding back in the day. So I've always been in tune with my body and I was, I was, going through you know just periods of being tired and i told my wife i said you know i feel something coming on Mm. um and i said you know something's not right feeling something coming on but then what happened was my heart started acting erratically now that's something i've never had wow and so uh one night at home late night my heart started racing and racing and racing and did not stop and uh finally i said i gotta i gotta go to the hospital early in the morning uh, my wife took me to the hospital and uh, we we did a procedure and we were able to bring it down naturally without any without any drugs so they just thought i just got out of rhythm for some reason made it made an appointment with the cardiologist and met with him and and all that and and, and sent me home you know uh and so Basically, it wasn't until um, I had to go back in. Uh, and, and so part of the story for me right now and one of the lasting effects, my memory was affected during this during this ordeal. So there's some really? pockets of time. Yeah, there are some pockets that I just flat out don't remember yet. And some things just come back. All of a sudden, it'll come back to me. Well, I didn't remember it before. So so even in, even in my journey, there's some things that I don't remember Um time-wise um all the way wow so, but, it, but it was but, but it was my heart really that triggered uh being tested and stuff like that and they originally thought i didn't have it huh originally they said uh you don't have it matter of fact when i was in the hospital that i, that I never came out of for three or two and a half months yes they our, a doctor came in he said yeah we, we tested you for for uh covid you don't have it. I'm sure you don't have it. It's something else. Don't worry about it. But he didn't and have any results. He was just telling you that. He, that's right. He didn't have any results. He was just going off his instincts. And uh, it wasn't maybe an hour or two later. And this was well into the night. My wife had been in the room with me the whole time. And they come back and says, oh, 
another doctor comes in and says you're positive. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. The other guy just said he was pretty sure I wasn't positive. And they said, no, I don't know what he was talking about, but the results, you're positive. You know, that's that started down the rabbit hole. Oh my God, yeah, down the rabbit hole is right down the, with your health and your life at stake by someone yeah. giving you kind of like uh, it sounds like a, even like a flippant kind of diagnosis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, someone who dealt with these kind of issues, you know, your whole career, and that's especially mm-hmm. health inequities, you know. So I don't know if that was it, was rearing his ugly head at the moment. I mean, how, what did you feel once you really found out um, that you was positive and now you're going to have this, uh, like you said, down the rabbit hole, this journey and struggle that's going to be ahead of you? Well, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the main things that I, that I remember was because I was in the campaign season, um, I, I knew I had to, I had a duty to let the community know. Mm. I had a duty to let my friends and family know because I had been reading up on COVID when it first came out. And, you know, there wasn't very many people dying at that time of it, but they were talking about how devastating it was in China. And I'm a, I'm a news buff. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm news buff. And so I had been reading up on it and I just saw it, at, you know, call it prophetic, call it instinct, whatever you want to call it. But that was also part of my campaign. And I was saying at the time when on the trail, I was saying that, you know, a lot of our uh, citizens are living a middle class life that's not really accurate. And one catastrophe and you're going to find out that you're not middle class and you're going to be struggling just like all our people we have out on the street right now. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, that that became true. And um, so that was uh, that was kind of the forward for me to to write the, I penned a letter before I, uh, before I, I went under hmm. and to the community to let them know, number one, because, you know, I've dealt with stigma all throughout the HIV AIDS uh, epidemic. Yes. And, I, and so I wanted to dispel the stigma so people could go and get tested, you know, and that was that was part of the reason I'm doing that. You know, I got it. That means you can get it, you know. That's right. And so I wanted to dispel the stigma and encourage folks to go get tested. I want to make sure uh, anybody who thought they was maybe had extra contact with me or whatever went and got tested, you know? Uh, and, uh, I just thought that was my responsibility to alert the community to start taking care of themselves. I didn't, I had no idea the wave was going to hit the way it did, oh my God, but yeah. I just felt that, I just felt that in my spirit to sound that alarm. Well, I appreciate you being a responsible citizen. Like I know you are because you're right. Uh, so many people have not been responsible in doing that and alarming other people and going by the, 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 the myth that uh, I can't get it, you know, right. I'm okay, I'm immune, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because of my age or my current health status or whatever the case may be, you know, and like you said, you're someone who, uh, yes, is in the public eye, but also, you know, you're, you're a figure who's well-read, also have dealt with infectious diseases for a long time too, you know. Um, so when something comes from you, that has a lot of power to it. That's truth to power. So we appreciate mm-hmm. you doing that. Um, yes. What... What's you think the future is going to hold for you now? Um, how, how much time are they saying that it's going to really, uh, of course, they probably don't know, uh, really recovery-wise, but what do you feel in your heart? Well, you know, some sometimes I, I really think I should be out there right now. Yeah, um, of course you do. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, my, but, but my wife, who has the cooler, 
more intelligent head. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife, Rachel. <laughs> that's right. That's right. She, uh, that's my angel. And she, she regulates me to make sure that I'm, you know, don't get my blood pressure too high. You yes. know, and try to, you know, no, you get healing has got to be your first priority. So I really haven't allowed myself to venture down that, down that road of what's next as far as political wise yet, yes. you know, or, or, or anything else. You know, I, I, I try to do everything through prayer. You know, it, it wasn't a, there was a reason why I ran. Uh, and I believe I had the go ahead from God to run. Uh, to make a difference. There was some, some things I saw on the horizon that bothered me. They still bother me. Um, and I know that we have to have, we have to have bold, we have to have bold political leaders to, to help make some real de- make some real changes. Not someone who just wants a career in politics. You know, I don't want to be beholden as, as a political operative. And all I'm doing is lining my pocket or preparing for the next seat i'm gonna get mm-hmm. no we're supposed to be taking care of the people your your political your political leaders are supposed to be taking care of the public more so than themselves and uh we have we failed that with miserably with that uh in my opinion which is why we're at we're right now during the pandemic and now also with the racial uh uh uprisings that we've had throughout these last uh two weeks think people uh, forget that it says public servant. They forget that part, public yes. servant. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Truly forget. That's that's truly a, forget, a forgotten art. Mm. What would you say to, <clears throat> and I'm glad, like you said, you're being safe and not going out into the crowd because uh, I'm glad that uh, testing you being offered to everybody who's protesting now if they, if they seek it out, uh, free testing for everyone at the Pepsi Center and so on and so forth. So I hope that people take advantage of that. What would you say, because you've been out there with Michael Marshall, you've been there for uh, the different uh, people who've been um, brutalized and killed at the hands of police and or, or um, their rights have been taken because of who they are, uh, the economic status of the color of their skin. What would you say to those people who are now uh, protesting and <clears throat> what should be their next steps? I know protest is one means but that's not the in all to be all no and i think that you already you have to all you have to be one step ahead so even in even amidst your protest you really need to be planning the 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 planning the direction of the change mm, yes and and not allowing them just to okay we're going to do it okay we're going we're, yeah we're going to come up with the solutions and we're going to change we're going to let you know yeah we're going to commit to this the system protects the system and it does not change without outsiders coming in and bringing fresh ideas and challenging it. And so, but so you have to be, you have to be prepared. Reverend T, just, please say that again. Um, the system protects the system. Please say yeah, that again. The, the system protects the system. And so when you allow the system to come up with the solutions, they're, they're cursory uh, solutions. They're, they're nothing that's really going to shape or change the systemic issues that you have. And you need to have people who come from outside of that system to with fresh ideas and that will challenge the system on where it's at and its inequities. And so oftentimes when they go to community, they have a good habit of going to find um, people who they know will not really challenge them. But they can say, but they can say, oh, but we but we had citizens with us. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. No, we had the community. No, the community said one of the first things they say. Oh, we had full participation with the community. Yes. And you were like, I don't know them people. Right. <laughs> I don't know them people. And, and why they agree to that? You know, I the la- the last the last task force I was on, I walked out of. Mm. And I walked out of uh, at the end because painfully at the end it was clear that they weren't serious about systemic change and and i i refuse to be used as a um as a tool for the system and and that had to do with oddly enough had to do with uh uh, excessive force Mm. and uh they refused to put in language uh of zero tolerance yes and i said zero tolerance of death I don't understand why you can't have zero tolerance. I'm, 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 uh, I'm amazed that that someone dying is not is not zero. <laughs> you're, you're afraid to put that language in. Well, right, that's because right. the, that's because the Police Protection Association runs these places. That's right. Every every city across this country has a strong PPA, and uh, those and most mayors do well, not afraid. like challenging them. They're afraid. Most that's mayors right. are afraid. That's what is really really. Uh, become very apparent during this particular uh, time when we see all the protests. How how the mayors are afraid to really control their own police departments. They work yep. for them, yeah, but they Absolutely. are unwilling or una- unable to do it. Yep. So um, we talked about your your, and so you are feeling fine now. Well, I'm not feeling fine. That's, okay, <laughs> I, 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 I sound really good. You do, says, you do. It's because you have a beautiful says, voice. <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind. My wife says that when people hear me, and sometimes even when they see me, they think, "Oh, he's great again," because I've been had requests to come to speak. I've had requests to come out and participate in different things, but yes. I just can't do that yet, you know. And uh, so it's deceiving, you know. Yes. Um, uh, I, I got a little ways to go yet, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. T- this, this. Let me say this Take real quick. Um, what people don't understand about this particular, uh, I, I've heard people interviewed on TV and say, "You got to die from something." And if I get it, you know, and I die from it, well, I was just going to die. I, what people don't understand that this is one that you don't want to die from. Mm. This is one of the most wicked things I've ever encountered in my life. It separates you from everything that you love. So I'm used to, I've had numerous surgeries over the course of my life, and my wife has always been by my side. She's always been, when I come out of the recovery room, she's always been right there. Well, I was I was laid up and couldn't have contact with her for two months. Three months, actually. Couldn't have any contact with her. People are dying alone. When they have their funeral services, you can't really hug and comfort the family like you normally do. You know, as a pastor, you know, speaking uh, healing and restoration to a family who lost a loved one is both through our word and through our touch in the African-American community. You know, and to not be able to do that, people dying alone. Oh, my gosh. And then not to mention what it actually does to your body. It attacks every organ in your body and as my wife says they she, she was told it turns it's it has a tendency to turn your immune system against itself mm. and so some of my some of my lasting 
Uh, and we're praying that they're we're praying that they're temporary, but we don't know yet because it's so. This is such a foreign thing, right? Um, uh, you know, there, there's just things that you they don't know yet. You know, you you know, I, I'm I'm losing. I'm at a loss of words for some of this, but it's a wicked disease, man. My wife, who didn't have it as bad as I had it, was home struggling by herself, quarantine. We don't have any children at home. So she's struggling with breathing and and all that stuff, all while worrying about me, all while trying to help the doctors understand certain things about me through over the phone. And and, and her, in her own life, she's scared that she might die at home by herself. Right. This is a wicked, wicked disease. It's it's, it's a wicked plague, as I, I like to refer to it as. And so, no, you don't want this and you don't want to spread it to no one. You know, you may be asymptomatic and you don't show nothing, but but you're still carrying it and then you give it to somebody. You don't want to do that. This is this ain't nothing to play with. I'm looking at online of this beautiful photograph of you and your wife embracing and kissing for the first time after three months. It's just incredible. Can you talk about that feeling when you guys first saw each other again and had a chance to embrace and touch? Is that is that the one coming out of the hospital? Uh, yes. As one coming out of the hospital and one with you in your car. Okay. Well, the, the one coming out of the hospital was surreal because, you know, when I woke up out of my coma, out of being on the, all the machines and everything, one of the first things I saw on the TV that I remember was the lines of people lining up for food. Mm. And that blew me away. Cause you remember just two months earlier, that wasn't going on. Right. You know, we weren't we weren't in a crisis, in a crash like that. And so as I'm coming through, I'm, I'm hearing new words that I've never heard. It's social distancing. Um, I'm finding out why my wife wasn't by me, you know, that yeah. she's not allowed to come in there and so on and so forth. And uh, even when she was better, she wasn't allowed to come. Um, it was it was quite. It was quite the shock. And so leaving um, the mask requirement, I, I really wasn't up on the mask requirement. So I had my mask on. And I just thought that was just, you know, regular, uh, you know, regular procedure. Right. But as we just get to the you. door. Yeah. As we get to the door and going outside, first I was shocked at the people that were out there. But when my wife came up on me, she has her mask on. She gives me the most powerful hug. Oh, it was just, it was what I needed. <laughs> you know, it, it, that was what I needed, you know. And, uh, but there was one thing that struck with me. And that was, she didn't kiss me. My wife always kisses me. Yes. And, I, and you know, I'm thinking about this all while I'm in that ride going from the, in, in the ambulance. In the ambulance, I'm riding to the rehab facility. And the only thing that stuck in my mind was, how come she didn't kiss me? Mm. How come she didn't take off her mask and kiss me? And it wasn't until I really started to get a clear head, because I, I was suffering from delirium also still. Okay. It, it, it would come in bouts. So I'd be very lucid at one point, and then out the next, you know, in another land at the next, you know. Yes. yes. So, um, uh, but then as, as I started getting real clear and finding out, this is what this disease, this is what this uh, virus is doing, and this is what has changed the landscape of how we're living right now. 
No, you no, you can't be kissing on folk. No, right. you you need to keep space, and and it's not just you because you had it. It's everyone. Yeah. So everyone it was you, quite the shock. Everyone but you think was, about in love. Yes. Yes. And my but my wife hugging me for the first time is under, indescribable, mm. and and it, and it made me miss her so much more. You know, so so much more. So while I'm in rehab. All that I think about was getting back to my wife. Uh, you know, I want to get better. Why do you want to get better? To, to get home, to be with my wife. <laughs> yes, absolutely. To be with my wife. That's what, that's what they would ask. And that was always, my answer never changed, Daddy. Yeah. To be with my wife. The reason why I'm alive today is because of my wife. Your driving made, force, your savior. Oh, that's right. She made decisions that some people may not have made, uh, you know, concerning my life and, and uh, concerning how to treat me. You know, they, there was a couple of times where uh, I was on the ropes, man. And the decision to let me go was there, wow. and uh, she chose to, to to fight. She knew I wanted to fight. Yes, yes. and she knew I was fighting. Uh, I always say this thing when you, uh, where I said, "Well, I'll fight on one side, you fight on the other," and that's what happened. That's, you know, and that's that's what happened. We're speaking with the Reverend Terrence Hughes, who uh, describing his battle with COVID nineteen uh, as he recovers right now at home. And how the relationship uh, that he has with his wife helped save him, you know, and you need someone to battle for. You brought up the fact that so many people are dying alone and fighting this fight by themselves, whether at home or in a hospital. So the importance of family, importance of friends, importance of loved one is even more prevalent today than it ever has been. And uh, as you said, you this disease is something that separates you from all that. Um, so thank you so much for describing that. Now that you are back together, what has it been like for you both? Because she was quarantined, as you said, herself. Now you're, right. you're back together. Describe that that reunion. Uh, we talked about the gigantic, beautiful hug that she gave you. Now you, you're, you're home. Let's talk about now. Well, you know, she, she organized that parade. Uh, parade of cars, as she said it. I'm like a parade. What in the world? I don't need no. <laughs> I don't need no parade, no fanfare. I just want to get them home. Right. But she, she was like, "No, you, you know, this is what I want to do." And, and uh, just a beautiful parade. And I was able to come, and, the, and and my friends and family, church members and community came out and welcomed me at home. And then so, but when the doors closed and it was just her and I, it, man, it just felt so good. Mm. It felt good to be at home. Uh, I was having problems sleeping at the rehab facility. Okay. Um, I don't have that problem like that anymore. I, I have I wake up early, but I was there was some nights where I absolutely did not sleep at all. Mm. And first, it was partly because of the treatment, you know, right. come in every so many hours to so give you medications or checking your heart rate because you know one thing that they were always very cautious of was my heart rate. Yeah. And yeah. my and my oxygen level because my lungs, uh, the, brother Donnie. My lungs at one point when I was in the hospital were totally white wow. from fluid, mm. from fluid, which is one reason why I was on the ventilator. They weren't working, you know. And so when I was in rehab, that was one thing they always kept an eye on. They were like, you know, make sure my, so the first, you know, week or so, I was on oxygen 24 hours a day. Um, and, and then when my system really started getting better, man, it just cleared up. And like I said, when I say miraculous, one day I just took the hose off. Mm. And, uh, you know, they always monitored it and it was always perfect. You know, if it dropped down some, it come right back up, you know? Right. And so, and so, uh, 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 that was, that was 
that was that was uh, I'm, I'm kind of miraculous because it wasn't like they did something to change that. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it was you. But, but, yeah. But being you, but being God, home, and Rachel. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But being home, really, man, was just. It's an indescribable feeling because mm. it's a peaceful, it's a peace. Okay. And, and, you know, she always has been a balancing for a balancing force for me, always has been a balancing force for me. So, you know, to, to have that, to have that balance back and, and, and to have that constant love, you know, uh, when we're able to love on each other because she had been through a lot, Yes. you know, and, and she needed something, you know, yeah. She needed something that only I could give her, you know, just like I needed something that only she could give me, you know. And by God's grace, we were able to come back together to to do that, you know. And so, yeah, it's and, and so now we're, we're looking at future things and you know, what, what, what do we want to do? You know, right, what, right. How, you know, we're just going to relax right now. We're just going to take it, take it one day at a time and just enjoy it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it's tough when I'm going through a physical, when I'm doing a physical piece and a I'm going through a, a little challenge. It, it, it can be a little scary at times. Yeah. But but the fact that we have each other to to help walk through it, you know, to reassure each other through it, man, it just means everything. Now, are you still on medication? I know you're doing some physical therapy, but you're still on some type of medication as well. I I am. I am still okay. on medication. Some medication will be uh, removed once uh, my primary care physician we meet. And and they and they keep evaluating where I'm at, um, and like I said, I I now have a cardiologist that I deal with. I also have I have to every organ I have, yes. I have to see a specialist for. Wow, let's just put let's just put it like this: every organ except for my liver, uh, I'm meeting with a specialist about because all of them were affected from COVID. Wow, wow, that's incredible. That that's what people need to hear too, as you said. When somebody says, "What if I get it? I get it." I don't think they, like you said, they don't know. No, you they, know? Don't, they don't know. They don't and if know. you have, if you have a pre-existing condition, it's just a gateway. I, I I explained it as a gateway. So someone said, "Well, how did you get it? Did you get it from when you went to New York and traveled there and this and that?" And I said, "I don't know where I got it from. I'm not going to blame it on New York. Right. I do remember a guy on the plane coughing incessantly, mm. and I remember saying to myself then." Man, I pray, I pray that guy don't have nothing. I, I remember saying that, you right, know. Right. And you know, air just circulates in a plane around. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if that was that was what it was or not. I just know I was running for an office, and I had met hundreds, I had met thousands of people within a two week time period of shaking hands and hugging folk, and right. it could have been from it could have been from anybody. Exactly. But but I was also run down. My immune system was run down mm. from all of that, all of that, and it was, it was just a, a door, in my opinion, that allowed. Uh, that gateway to open for the virus to enter in. Right, right. So that my so my big get out of this is is to rest, take care of myself, and uh, uh, you know not ignore things. You know, yes, yes. That's, that's my big get. Take care of you. Take yes. care of you. That way yeah, you take get care. some rest. Yeah, that way you can take care of the community when you're ready. You know. Yes. Sir. So and we in the community appreciate your work, and we really, really are so thankful that you're back and um, recovering from COVID-19. We had the honor of speaking with Reverend Terrence Hughes today, uh, activist in our community, and just uh, just an amazing, amazing gentleman, father, grandfather, and of course, a loving husband. Thank you again for being with us. Yeah. Thank you, Brother Donnie. And, and just as I close out, thank you for all that you do for our community. You are an institution, 
And I, I am so proud to call you a friend. And, and I admire all that you do. Always have, always will. Anytime you need me, you just call me. Well, I God appreciate you, that. brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That concludes this episode of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out at NoCredits.com and pick up our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Radio Public, Spotify, etc. Follow us at Twitter at Donnie Betts, hashtag NoCreditsProduction, LLC, hashtag Black Radio Days, hashtag Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.